Our passion didn't start with a mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness and all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on your tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of people and truly the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with the other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Hey, hey, welcome to the Dental Handoff. I am Dr. Kelly Tanner, your hostess uh, with the mostest. And today I have with me, many of you know her, Carrie from Canada is how she hails at the majority of the conferences. She just told me, but Carrie Lepichek, who is a dental hygienist in Canada and is an amazing human. Carrie, welcome oh, to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Dr. Kelly. I am so honored to be on here. You have had such an amazing list of guests. So I am very humbled to be, have been asked to join you today. Oh my gosh. Well, you are intertwined with all of us who are trying to do good by people and serve with your heart, your servant leader. I can, I know that about you. So I, I met Carrie through social media, just kind of um, interacting in that way. And let's see, we, we saw each other, I think at the, and Yes, yes. It was kind of like, oh, it actually exists. And, you know, a lot of those stories and, you know, I always talk about that. But I said, I have to have you on the dental handoff because Carrie's doing some amazing things. So I cannot wait to hear more about your story. But Carrie, I always start with the question, why dentistry? Why dental hygiene? Did it choose you? Did you okay, choose it? So interesting story. My dad is a dentist. And so I have been fortunate actually to practice alongside him. I still work one day a week clinically. Um, and I was at university and I used to be a very competitive figure skater. And when I went to university, I left figure skating and just decided that socialization was going to be my next passion instead of education. So my dad um, got my credit card statement and was like, listen, Listen, you know, it's time for you to really understand what working is about. You need to come into my office and work. So I thought that this was meant I was going to be answering phones and running the bank and, you know, doing the Costco runs. Nope. There was a set of uniforms sitting there. And he said, you're now my assistant and you're going to be the sterilization person. And you're going to understand what it's really like to work hard. You've been very fortunate and it's time, you know, to understand this. And literally within that day, I was like, dad, dentistry is more about more than just teeth, like there's relationships and seeing my dad in that manner and trying to understand what all these instruments meant. I had a whole new outlook on dentistry. So I was like, Hey dad, I'm going to go into hygiene. And that was literally my track. And that's how I ended up in dentistry. He was, you know, he let me do what I wanted to do because he never pushed us into dentistry, but it was that sort of life lesson that turned into, you know, where I am today. How old were you then? Um, I was 19. Yeah. 
So you saw that you said you were going, going to go into yeah, sociology. sociology, but I mean, it's, it's so much about that, right? I mean, there's so many aspects, it's psychology, it's sociology, it's all the ologies. One semester I was psychology, the next semester I was sociology, the next semester I was humanities. I just didn't know where I wanted, but I did know I wanted to work with people. I wanted to work generally with uh, uh, special needs children at that time. I was looking at autism. I was looking at different areas, but I didn't have a direct path. And so this sort of changed it. And then when I realized that I could literally use some of the skills I'd learned and work in that section, that's how I came to be in dentistry. And you truly get to know it's, you get to know a lot about patients. We, because they see us so frequently and especially those who are, you know, priority patients with different onsets of disease that we're managing for them more frequently Yeah, as well. We get to see them even more frequently. So we get to learn all about them. So Carrie, tell us about what you're doing now, because I always find everyone's story so fascinating. Okay. Well, I mentioned I'm still one day a week clinical, which I find really helpful because I do a lot of education and lecturing um, across North America. Um, I am a coach. Uh, the I'm actually the coaching director for Aura Vital, which does salivary diagnostics and antibiotic rinses for treatment options. I am a co-host on the talk show called The RDH View. If you haven't checked it out, definitely. We have one episode that comes out usually once a month and we interview different KOLs, we offer CE and it's a great way to kind of, you know, get that education in more of a informal manner. I am also a section editor for women in dentistry. I uh, am involved with hygiene corner there and helping them with their annual symposium. And most recently, one of the things I'm really excited about is I was asked to be on the advisory board for AOSH, American Academy of Oral and Systemic Health. So, um, you know, oral systemics has been a passion of mine, I feel like since at least uh, 2010, it sort of all started to come to play. And I've attended many AOSH meetings and now to actually be on the advisory board was really quite an honor. Uh, One of the other things that I'm really passionate about is my boys. I'm a mom of two boys and a fur baby and they kind of are my why behind my do. They help me be a better person, a better clinician. They challenge me. They also keep me grounded, which I think is important in this sort of realm in this world that we are in. Um, And I also get to work with some really great companies. I'm a key opinion leader for Creston RLB with Volco and with RDHU. So how does that sum it up? That's a lot of things, but ultimately I'm about trying to inspire, uh, trying to uh, excite the dental profession in order to really provide the right care and the right service to your patients. Because if we're excited, if we love what we do, we're going to do a better job. Our patients are going to get healthier. And then you know what? It becomes fun to go to dentist, to go to work. Dentistry doesn't have to be as taxing. And there's so many different opportunities and options. It doesn't always mean you have to be in clinical. You can have some of these other opportunities that you've explored, that I'm exploring. Lots of different choices there. You just said so much I want to unpack. So first, okay, I get the question all the time. How did you even start? Because you have all these wondrous things that you're doing and you don't, it's, it's sometimes there's a, there's a lot of work and a lot of connection and a lot of networking that happens in the background, right? It's establishing the relationships and knowing when to step up, when to step back. There, there's so much to unpack. So you started off as a clinical hygienist, then how did you lean in and say, okay, this is something I want to say yes to. Like, where did that start? So it all started with Aura Vital. Uh, my dad, being the dentist, uh, was 
looking at adopting this program to help with halitosis. And he said, listen, this is something that sounds more like it's going to be running in the hygiene department. And we had at least four hygienists usually working with us full time. And he said, you know what, I think that this would be a great opportunity. You're fairly new out of school. This would be a great opportunity for you to continue your learning. I want you to figure out how to take this program and bring it into our practice. And so, you know, asking, always asking those questions. Why? Why are you doing this? Why did you do that? How come it's like this? I'm not challenging. I wasn't challenging, um, you know, who I was learning from. I just needed to truly understand that information. And so from learning how to bring that program in, I went to the company. I was like, you need me. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you educate. I'm going to help you do this. And that's sort of how I became involved with the company. And so to this day, um, my role really is about educating them about salivary diagnostics, educating them about why they should do this, educating them about how it can help and benefit your patients. And that was really the first leap into speaking. And then from there, um, I was, my dad always said to me, you know what, when an opportunity arises, say yes and try to figure it out because the most important thing we can learn is what we like to do and what we don't like to do give it your best give it your all but it doesn't mean that just because you're doing it now means you have to do it later finish your commitment and then say you know what this isn't serving me or this is this is this is not something that brings me a lot of joy then I'm going to try something else and so that's really kind of how I ended up here and networking you've got to go to events you've got to even though it's uncomfortable to send people little messages like, hey, I hope we can connect. It's those little conversations that may lead into something else and showing your willingness to to want to participate. I think that that's, those are some of the key things I've learned in growing and having some of these opportunities kind of um, work out for me. So going back to how you went from clinical into contacting the company to say, you need to do more of this because this is how it impacts this. I mean, that happened. Yeah. yeah. And how did you, like, how did you, what were you, I mean, I wasn't saying like, what were you thinking? But like, what, when you made that phone call, when you made that contact, what was that feeling when, it, you, was it like a light bulb that went off and was like, you have to evangelize this and be like, you guys, there is so much opportunity here. Were you like that? I was. And it was it was really because I needed that information for myself. And then when I saw that this is what I needed and this is what worked, I'm like, well, if that worked for me, in order for the company to grow, then you need to do this. You need to monopolize in this or you need, you need this aspect. You need a clinical hygienist that's using this to help other people understand how they can do it. Because Every office is a bit different. There are different spices, different fluid, different different philosophies. And so it, that's really how I went. It was a bit, now looking at it, it was maybe a bit badass and it's just not generally my, uh, my, my realm. But it was because I needed the information and I knew that it was right for the company if they would listen. And they did. To, to my knowledge, they, they did. And now I've been such a huge part of the growth of that company and the face of the company in many ways when it comes to education. So let's break that down even further. So you you saw a need and to what you needed, what you thought could serve the patient, what you thought could serve you as that clinician in that role, because you knew that it wasn't only just that one patient, you knew you had more patients that were like that and you saw the benefit of that. So you were thinking, okay, this is something that could, this is something that maybe they haven't thought of, or maybe they have, and you didn't know until you contacted them. So a key point here, and this is also too what I have found, is that when you're seeing something, a connection, don't assume 
that the company knows about it. Don't assume that they have thought about it. Write them, contact them, help them understand your role because many corporate entities, um, and it's not it's not to disparage them, but they haven't thought about that because they're not in, they're not immersed in those environments every day. And like you said, Carrie, too, you know, each office has its own philosophy. So it could be one office that's practicing this way that you reach back to the company and say, have you guys thought about this? And and it's the way that you do it, right? And I, I would love more information on this. And they say, you know, we've never used it for that or we've never heard of that. And so it's, we are such an advocate. The hygienist is in so many ways for advocating for our patients and what we need. And I think that that's so exciting because it could be something as a, as XYZ product that's always been used this way, but perhaps it's even an off-label use that you're finding a benefit from. It's like, did you guys know that this is a miracle? <laughs> this helps me every day. So that that forward thinkingness of you to say, how can I has led to more opportunity in your career. And then two, it sounds like that what you learned from that first initial interaction is how much opportunity there was for you, not just that, but then it kind of got you, it kind of gave you some confidence to do it again. It does. And getting to know different people in, in different roles has been really helpful because people are always looking for opportunities and looking for good um, people that are reliable. And so it was through that sort of opportunity that I started, I, I was working with Oravital and doing lectures for them individually. And then I started at RDHU, uh, Kathleen Burkossi said, hey, would you like to speak here? I've heard you speak a bit. I'd love to give you an opportunity in a platform. And that was sort of my first opportunity. And then that led to Creston Oral-B listening and, and getting connected with me. And then I became a KOL for them. And then, you know, from those different events and being available, uh, people want to hear your message. And the best thing you can do, honestly, is give companies feedback, not critiquing, give them feedback, try to give them some suggestions, because the only way that the companies are going to grow and are going to serve you as a clinician better is to have some of that feedback. Don't keep it to yourself. Try to share it so then you can really get the benefit of all the products that are out there. Because as a hygienist, and even, you know, especially not right out of hygiene school, you're not even thinking about that. You're no. just right. But then three years out, five years out, you're seeing some things, you're seeing some correlations, you're seeing what's working for you and why what's not working. Also, I tried XYZ and man, this happens every time I use that. But never did I, when I was a baby hygienist, think that oh, that company that makes this might want to know that, <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know when that occurred to me that they might want to. So like, it, it was only you, it was you in this instance, yeah. reaching out to them to learn more, to realize that they needed it. But this is something I encourage the students that I work with, because because we are evaluating products in our clinic, we're saying, okay, what's this, what's this um, doing? How, how could the company, you know, make this more durable? How could they change this for us to make it more chair side friendly? And so I'm teaching that, you know, I bring that into the clinic to say, okay, this, you're an important voice in this because you're the operator. You're the, you know, you're the end user on this and they're trying to make sure it works for you so you can deliver the best care for your patient. So your voice matters. It does. And everybody's voice matters. And I think that that's really where 
if you had met me in hygiene school, I didn't answer any questions. I was like, do not call on me. I, I was like, you know, hiding in, I was sat in front, but I was like hiding, like, please don't make eye contact. And so when some of my colleagues that were in school, they're like, is that Carrie? But I, I was married. I, I am married. Not was. I please no, do not start the rumor there. I am married. Um, so I was a Highland when I was in school. So when they see Lepichek, they're like, that can't be the same girl. But when you find your voice and when you find your passion, um, there's a polite way of going about it. And that's really where and how I've, I've been able to explore so many different opportunities a bit of outside of clinic. I never thought I would ever give up clinic because I truly love my clinical days. That's why I still try to make time to do it once, once a week. Um, but, you know, there is, there is a lot of opportunity and ways to bring excitement to your, your career if you're finding, you know, that spark is sort of dwindling a bit. For sure. And I think that, to um, it's it's about if we were talking about this before the show, but we, you know, on different Facebook groups and just do, through different conversation, we can find that people are a little bit discouraged about what they thought the profession was. So I and you know, for as many that you see aren't caring for it, there is many that are saying I love it, and who have been in it for 30 years. And so I think that we can become kind of myopic in what we look at and what jumps out to us. But I've met hygienists, when I consult who have been in offices for 2530 years, and it's amazing, because they love what they do. But then there is an opportunity there for them to learn more. And if you are you know, that continuing education isn't just a checkbox. It's it's a way for us to go back and, and reinvigorate ourselves with what there is that's possible. And I know that you're that you are an advocate too of salivary diagnostics and and tell us more about that, Carrie, and how it helped you care for your patients better. Well, it was really um a really interesting exploration, I guess you can say, because I was sort of fresh out of school when I started looking at salivary diagnostics back in 2007. So we're talking many, many moons ago, not just recently, we're talking years ago, this was something that sort of landed in my lap. And I was like, well, I read all these bacteria um, in the textbook, and I still to this day cannot pronounce them all, you know, AA is going to say AA for a lifetime, okay, just for the record, okay. Um, But it really started back then. And I started to look at the bacteria and look at the patient's oral Uh, presentation differently. Because so many times we see patients that are bleeding and bleeding, and we still say brush and floss. It's like, it's not doing enough. So when I started to sort of explore that oral systemic component, and I started realizing that this bacteria is associated with so many systemic diseases and diabetes and all these things, I wanted to know more. I wanted to know their data. Because what are we taught in school? We've got to look at bone level. We've got to look at bleeding points. We've got to have all of our data and our assessment why are we ignoring this biofilm? Why are we not disclosing and going over that? So back in 2007, I was like that hygienist that would stand up on the stage and say, guys, we should be disclosing. I'm like, and then I would hide from the daggers that I would see in the audience. They're like, okay, no, wait, no, who, what planet is she? Just one more thing. What one planet more thing. is she living on? She lives in this euphoric environment. I'm like, no. What I learned is that if I shift my focus and focus on the biofilm and the conversation and have tools like DNA salivary diagnostics to elevate my conversation with my patients, it changed the trajectory of their appointments. And my patients started to get healthy. My patients started to ask for treatment. They accepted more major care. And let me tell you, there is nothing better than going in and having patients that literally have no inflammation and active disease. I'm like, it's a great appointment. I get to go in, I get to detail their mouth, we get to have a nice conversation, and we keep them healthy. Versus always going in and having that bloodbath, which is 
there's so much fun taking off a wall of calculus, but I don't like to deal with the bleeding. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that active infection for so many things. And so implementing salivary diagnostics and starting that conversation is really what changed um, my career and gave me a platform of education to give and to try to motivate and inspire other dental professionals to do the same. And so Carrie, with the um, salivary diagnostics, is it something that the data comes back chair side or is it something you felt that comes back to you? So it's something that you take and you send off and you get a report back after. It's not a chair side test. Um, there are different companies out there that do salivary diagnostics. Um, ours looks at uh, gram-negative anaerobes. It also looks at yeast and it looks at strep mutans all in one chair side test. So look at the different companies out there, but Orovitals I like because it has the gram-negative anaerobes, um, your, your top five, it's got your, your candida risk and your caries risk. In addition to that, you want to look at the types of sampling technique. What I like about Orovital is that we learned back in 2007 when we used to look at gram signs stained glass slides that the bacteria on the tongue and the cheeks were almost as infected as the perio pocket. And so what our sampling technique is a pad where we rub the tongue and we take paper points for subgingival application, uh, some gingival um, uh, absorption of the biofilm so we can then test it. So look at the different uh, treatment options that are offered um, as an option after you get your test back, but also look at the technique in taking your test and compare, you know, what would work for your client base and why maybe there's different uh testing options. And then, so I'm going to get down the weeds for a second with this question, because I'm inquiring minds. This is just how we all learn. But so then you take the, what's your workflow on that? So you are testing, what's the turnaround time for that? Do you call the patient? Do you have them back? What do you do? That's a really good question. So workflow, first off, I'm going to start at the beginning of my appointment. I review their health history. I find a need. So I'm looking at their perio chart. They're bleeding on probing. I'm looking for medical history conditions or changes, identifying risk. Based on the client's risk, then I discuss the need for doing a salivary diagnostics. That can be done chair side right away, added to a hygiene appointment. And when I say added, we're talking about a minute and a half, maybe two minutes at the most of chair time that's required. Um, take your test, get on with your, uh, your, your dental hygiene appointment, whether it be SRP or, um, you know, perio maintenance, whatever that patient's in send the test off to the company. Usually within two weeks, you get your email that says, hey, your report's in, and it'll outline the pathogens that are there and the load. From there, what we do is we have our, usually our treatment coordinator give the patient a call and we'll say, hey, the report is back. This is our treatment option. Um, with treatment options, when you start doing salivary diagnostics, um, some companies offer an antibiotic, uh, rec- a systemic antibiotic recommendation on their reports. Or vital, what I like about it is it's a rinse and spit. So it's a systemic, an- it's a um, antibiotic rinse with an antifungal component. So like metronidazole nystatin, metronidazole amoxicillin nystatin, all in a rinse and spit. So it's not going systemically. So I don't worry about my patient's gut biome changes. And when you use the antibiotic in a rinse and spit, what happens is it shifts that biofilm and you have reductions of bleeding points, changes in pocket depths, and overall really an amazing healing that happens in the mouth. And it's a short-term use of 10 days um, of swishing and spitting. And then the patient comes back for a reevaluation usually is what we suggest. So first appointment is assess, take your test, send the report off. Two weeks later, you get your report back. Your conversation with the patient is this is what our treatment option is going to be based on the report and the risk that we identified in the chair. Patient uses that treatment option. 
comes back in for a reevaluation, and then you have a conversation with the patient about maintenance, continuing to keep that biofilm healthy. Maybe you need to add probiotics. Maybe you need to use lasers. Maybe we need to, you know, use over-the-counter rinses. You are the clinician. You can be the driving force in that, but we've got to really get rid of the inflammation and get rid of the bleeding um, to help our patients stay healthy. And then how often do you retest? So retesting would be great to do. Um, I like to retest when I see no clinical signs of active inflammation and disease because sometimes people retest and it's like, well, they're still bleeding. Well, if they're still bleeding, we need to figure out why. Maybe they weren't using the interproximal brushes um, like we had asked. And many years ago, I tossed the floss. Please don't, please don't, you know, hang me out to dry here on this, but I tossed the floss and I've really been a huge advocate for interproximal uh, brushes, things like soft picks or T-pays, uh, uh, because they really dislodge and rub that biofilm. So why do we retest? We need to make sure that inflammation is, is controlled. And the best opportunity for that is for patients to have the best optimal oral health um, uh, routine at home. So interproximal brushing, getting rid of the inflammation and the bleeding, and then retest at that point. Yeah, because you have to see where where they are. It's evidence-based, right? Yeah. You have to, can't just keep throwing everything in the kitchen sink at it. You have to figure out where you are. Is it working? Yeah. What's it reducing? What's not? How do you navigate that? How do you personalize that for the patient? Because that's the whole point. Yes. And then when patients are healthy, clinically healthy, I get to see their bacteria score. So then I get to see now what is their additional risk from there? What is that? How is their body responding to that a level of pathogen? And then we work from there at continuing to reduce it as we go. That's so awesome. And, and then I'm sure what's the patient's reaction to this? They are first off, they're kind of shocked, but the best news is really since COVID shutdown, if there is a good news, since I call it COVID shutdown here, at least for us in Canada, it was four months. So it was a long shutdown in Ontario. Um, but patients are open to this option. They know that when you there was a COVID risk, it's like you should probably test. And so now when there's a disease risk in the mouth or a halitosis risk in the mouth, they're like, well, that kind of makes sense. Maybe we should test. And there are some companies, um, some insurance, because that's going to be always be a question about insurance. Um, there are some yeah. companies that cover it, but most time it's not. It would be fee for service. So um, it's not a reason that I wouldn't recommend it to patients. Patients value it. They go to get a new car and they get a sunroof and they get power windows. They don't think that that's not a value. You just have to make them understand the value behind it. And then I've had many patients sometimes say, I can't afford it this appointment, but the next appointment, I want to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to save the money and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do the ideal care. And so that's how I would package it all together. Yeah. And then too, I think I just thought of a point with testing, you know, saliva testing with COVID people got used to saliva testing or, you know, what, however it was tested, you know, of course it was, you know, up the nose and different things, but they were, they were understanding the power of the, the fluid and what it told us. And I think now with testing and understanding what kind of feedback loop that is creating with us to say, yes, it's there. No, it's not what's the what's in it and for how long and understanding all of those half-lives of everything that it it created a better understanding about how we can intervene it really has and it's opened up an opportunity to have a different conversation because patients come in it's always the same conversation and i still have lots of time to find out about their grandkids and hear about the recipes and have all that stuff but it's shifted my focus and it's it's really inspired some patients to really 
understand that dental hygienists do more than just, you know, clean teeth. There's so many different avenues and conversations. And patients right now, if they have a choice, they want to choose health. They want to choose that sort of wellness-based opportunity. So positioning yourself, positioning that conversation has been vital for my patients. Yeah. And it's, again, re-energizes us as that clinician, understanding the impact that we can make. And I think that that's what keeps us coming back for more too. And and saying, you know, I, I am, I am the person who helps that helps that patient make a difference. And it's not just the, the same thing day in and day out. It reinvigorates us to bring new technology and to, to make those interventions and to also be the voice for them and advocate because then there's a past show. I'm not sure if you guys have watched it with uh, Dr. Brett Seelove, a cardiologist, to make certain referrals if things are not resolving. What is the underlying systemic link of why this isn't resolving and what else could there be? Well, I have found that using the test, I love to share it with their with their medical side. It's like, hey, you have a cardiologist, let's share this with them. Let's let them know we're doing that. It has been a great opportunity to get referrals to the office and let people know that, hey, we're looking at it in a different way. We're really advocating for this patient. And so referrals and communication and the, one of the things I want to make sure I, I say is that this test, it's not that Carrie said she has a problem. The test is a third-party verification. So we're reviewing something and it's a conversation and patients really then start to connect the bacteria with systemic concern and risk level. It's, it's a whole different conversation than sometimes Carrie just talking about bleeding points. When they see this report, it's a medical report like, oh, okay, Houston, we have a problem. We need to figure this out. Yeah. Because they're used to, when they have testing at the doctor's office, they get the results back from the lab. And it's similar to that. It's like, okay, this is what this point is telling us that your lipids are high or, you know, your sugar is this. Why not normalize the conversation of, you know, this is this is testing for an, the, your inflammatory response or whatever that is appropriate to that test. And this is important because... And so we can have that baseline, we can establish that benchmark in their care that then we can track over time. So it's part of their, you know, scanning, I guess, for their health in a different way, their health report. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's the best part about this whole thing. So I'm, I'm so excited you had me on here today, Dr. Kelly. I'm so excited. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, Carrie, there's so much more to your story. And just talking with you before the show, there's, I mean, I might have you back just to talk about all the different ways that you said yes, what you learned about yourself and, you know, all the things that kind of grow our passion and get us and and make us who we are, help shape who we are as professionals. But this is definitely a way that that we can do this. It's by saying yes to new technology, learning more. If you read about something, try it for your office, request samples, give feedback to the company, and say yes to your, your you know yourself as an advocate to what your strengths are, and lean into the fact that you know you're you're a healthcare provider. And your patients expect for you to tell them what you're seeing and expect for you to be keeping up with the most relevant scientifically based, you know, everything. 
And they, they want that information. They really do. They really, really do. So Carrie, how do people, I know that your information's on the show notes, but how do people reach out to you? Are you going to be presenting somewhere soon? I am. I, I actually am not presenting at Under One Roof, but I will be at Under One Roof. So anybody that's there, stop and say hi. I'd love to connect with you. I'm so excited to be down in the US there again. Um, and then I have some stuff booked up here in Ontario uh, with ODHA and uh, Spectrum Day Toronto. So there's some stuff coming up that way. Um, if you want to find me on social media, I'm K Lepichek. So K L E P I C E K. Or you can email me at klepacek at gmail.com. I would love to connect with you guys. I really appreciate you taking the time to have me on your show today. Oh my gosh. It's I, I can't wait to get to know more about you, Carrie, and spend some time at RDH Under One Roof, the sold out event. I'm excited to see how many people are going to be there. <laughs> I know. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be so much fun. And the a great networking opportunity. If you didn't get in this year, definitely worth uh, booking it in for next year for yourself. And something Carrie said too, what I encourage is if you if you have folks who you've always wanted to meet up with, send them a note, send them a message, DM them on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. And even vendors, if you have feedback for them, like reach out to them and say, do you have time to, or, you know, I'm here for this amount of time, I would love to get you feedback on and like link up for coffee, link up for lunch, all those opportunities or just say, Hey, what kind of courses do you have? I have a gap around this amount of time. Those are the most meaningful, I think, meetups and just surprising takeaways from those events. And I just want to say on a personal note, when people do that for me, I'm honored. I'm like, you want to talk to, to Carrie from Canada that lives in the small little town of Port Perry where all, Hall- where's not all, where some Hallmark movies are shot. Okay, sure. Let's chat. Let's have this conversation because that's really, you know, it's, it's honoring for us. So we are very happy to share and to inspire and to help you grow. That's really, you know, what I think our mission is now is to really help yeah, help that way. Totally agree. Well, Carrie, thank you so much again. And um, I look forward to, to hugging your neck again this July. And for all of our listeners, please do me a favor. I always ask to go to Apple and give us a five-star rating and then go on over to YouTube and like, subscribe and share and tell your friends about the dental, the dental handoff and um, appreciate everything that everyone is doing in our profession. Keep doing good work, my friends, and make it a great day. Carrie, thank you so much. I'll see you soon. Sounds good. Take care.